Hello, and welcome to the Glossy Beauty Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss the future of the beauty and wellness industries with the people who know them best. I'm your host, Priya Rao, beauty editor at Glossy. And today's guest is Anne Mazza, the co-owner and vice president of sales and marketing at hair brand Olivia Garden. In this episode, we talk to Anne about evolving a 52-year-old brand for today's customer, walking the line between the professional and consumer hair segments, and protecting yourself against counterfeits. Hope you enjoy the episode. Today on the Glossy Beauty Podcast, we have Anne Mazza, the co-owner and VP of sales and marketing at Olivia Garden. Welcome, Anne. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great to have you. So, Anne, tell us a little bit about the history of Olivia Garden. You know, you're a 52-year-old professional brush brand. Um, I imagine there's been a lot of changes over the last uh, several decades. Tell us a little bit about the backstory and where you guys are today. Sure. Um, Olivia Garden was founded in 1967 by my parents, Um, mom being the hairdresser, father being the wannabe businessman when he was uh, 22 years old, thought that together they could put together a company that would manufacture high-quality professional salon tools. And this is back in Belgium, which is where we're from. And so they did that. They actually started in the wigs and hairpiece category. And then after establishing a successful business in Belgium by selling their product direct to hairdressers, they then exported to the surrounding countries. Belgium is really small, so they went on to France and the neighboring countries. And after establishing that successfully, decided that the next big conquest would be the United States. So in 1985, we moved to America in order to do it all over again and um, kept their European division, of course, and just wanted to expand into uh, America and um, did that successfully, although, you know, as with anything, it takes time. And then after we did this, then we decided, okay, just like after establishing in Belgium, we went to Europe. So now we've done America. We need to go to the rest of the world. And so we took all of that experience we had gathered over so many years of running the business and expanded it to what it is today, which is our products are available in 100 countries around the world. So, Anne, when you think about, um, you know, what your parents started 52 years ago and where the market is today, you know, the professional market has obviously changed quite a bit over the last five decades. And, um, you know, the rise of direct consumer and that direct connection with the customer. So how has your approach to professional versus consumer uh, changed over this time? So when we develop our products... Everything that we do is for the hairdresser in mind. So we have intense R&D. So we have engineers. I mean, we take product development to a whole new level. For us, it is a science. So we have R&D lab. We have engineers. We have we really work very closely with a community of hairdressers to come up with the best product possible for their needs. So our products are unique and different from anybody else's, whether it's a technology or a patented way of making it or the way that the results are. So there's there's a lot to our product that's different and but always thinking that they're going to be used eight ten hours a day every day so really high quality and so that's never changed and that will for always be our focus however some of our products luckily uh, carry on to consumers consumers can use them obviously some of them are like shears and aprons that nobody would really use at home on a large scale but hairbrushes and hot tools such as appliances obviously blend themselves perfectly to be used at home as well so 
although our focus from an, our product development has always been the hairdresser and sales is always focused on the hairdresser over the last you know, decade, obviously consumers have found out about our products because they see how well they work in the salon or they read about them online or social media or they see them possibly on TV. Um, so then they want to get some at home because they want the best, right? They want to be able to try to recreate what they're doing in the salon or help them style their hair at home. And so that's been really wonderful to be able to add that component to our business so that the products that we're making for the hairdressers are also some of them, like her brushes and appliances, are available for the consumer to be able to have the benefits of the home as well. So tell us a little bit about um, marketing to that consumer, that end consumer versus, you know, talking to someone at a salon. You know, I imagine the communications and and the social media that's required um, and tutorials are very, very different. Sure. When you sell to the hairdresser, I mean, the industry is, um, you know, been around 52 years. We've kind of have it figured out how to communicate to the industry. We have industry-wide events and we have trade publications and we have, of course, our distributors, which are a way for us to communicate to the hairdresser. Once you say, I want to communicate to the consumer, you are now, you know, trying to reach so many more people obviously, not just in the U.S., but even worldwide, obviously. So, you, But just focusing on the U.S., you have so many more people to reach, and they get reached by many different ways. So we've had to, um, it's been a lot of fun, especially since it's part of my responsibilities to find out the marketing. is like, how do we reach the, the consumer um, as they evolve? You know, obviously before might have been just an ad in a in a magazine, and now there are so many different ways, which is exciting because you can get creative with how you can reach the consumer. So we've had to obviously learn with everyone else the best way to use social media. Um, but we also want to make sure that our products are you know, we're showing them in the light that we want to show them in meaning. We're telling a story about who we are. So not only do we manufacture high quality, technologically advanced, high performing products, but there's also a, a feeling when you own a living garden product. So it's more than just the product. It's also where has that product been? Where is it coming from? And who else is using it? And what are they doing with it? So by connecting ourselves to events like Fashion Week, um, as well as you know, being uh, featured in sometimes some TV shows, you will be watching one of your favorite shows and there's a Louis Garden brush that shows up on, on the screen or possibly in a movie. Um, and that's just organic because they happen to use them and they love them and that's why it's there. Um, or you read them in your favorite magazine or maybe somebody you follow online or on social media happens to, uh, one of your favorite influencers, for example, happens to be styling their hair with one of our product. All of that is part of the communication piece that helps people understand who Olivia Garden is and why using one of our products is going to make their hair look better, beautiful, and be relevant to today's fashion. And if you have a great product, you know, then then the game is the game is kind of won. <laughs> Communicating to the customer obviously takes a lot of different forms. What do you think is resonating the most right now in this very, you know, high intense, saturated beauty market right now? What do you think is working best for Olivia Garden? I would say definitely, you know, social media is huge. Um, social media and having content that people can relate to and meaning um, seeing the product being used and demoed so that they can see how they can take that 
product and it can help them in their life, whether it is styling their hair faster in the morning because they're super busy or whether it is just to have a style that's going to last longer or trying to stay on trend and giving people ideas of how they can style their hair differently. Um, so we try to be a source for consumers and hairdressers alike of uh, you know what is relevant in the hair industry today. How could you possibly want to... You have one type of hair on your head and here are five different ways you can style that when you can pick which ones are applicable to you and here are the tools that can help you get there and here are the steps to achieve those looks. So just trying to be like a good friend to help them find um, the right tool and the right look for them as well as the steps. For example, years ago, um, we came up with the first and still the only uh, brush hair guide app on um, on the, your um, like Apple Store or your Android Marketplace. So it's free, of course. But it came from the fact that everybody was asking me what kind of brush they should have because they realized that maybe they were using the wrong brush. Um, so, you know, we kept asking them certain questions. And so we decided that uh, we would take that more to the masses and help people choose the right brush for the hair type. And so there are some key questions that one ought to ask and get know the answer to before making a recommendation, kind of like a prescription to some extent. So we put together an app and that helps people guide along the way um, to find out the right brush for their hair type or what they're trying to do. And that can help um, the store employee who's trying to sell the brush or the uh, consumer or anybody that's trying to pick the right brush for their customer or for themselves. So that was the beginning of us trying to guide people to uh, finding the product that meets their needs best. And then that's just expanded now to also the visual, like the finished product and the steps and, and all of that. So I imagine a lot of this is coming together via video and before and afters. How important is that for you on social media or on YouTube or even um, get capturing some of this content at a beauty con or New York Fashion Week? Yeah, it's really key. I mean, you know, those... Um so we have videos that are, of course, on YouTube as well as on Instagram. So you've got different kind of feeling for the video. Sometimes you have some very curated content um, that, you know, you create yourself in a studio and and that's great. And you can control, you know, the message from A to Z and maybe it's a five minute step. Maybe it's a 20 minute step. And those would be maybe more focused towards the hairdresser because they're going to watch a 20 minute video versus the consumer will not. But um, you also can get content anywhere really you know it could be at a trade show or it could be at the fashion week or it could be somebody's salon that decides let me show how to do this so for example yesterday there was a new technique that was demoed you know backstage at one of our shows and that was really neat to be able to see that um, the lead stylist was using our flat iron for a technique that I've actually never seen before and that was really neat and now we can kind of build on that and say show people you know what was was the concept behind that and maybe they want to try that at home is really quite simple but it was very clever so you know being able to record things with you know your your own phone at any moment uh has really opened up 
people's creativity to be able to increase the content that you put out there. And so it's key. And and luckily on social media, you know, you can have very curated content, but you can also have things that are very organic and very authentic um, made. So you no longer, my point is, need to be in a fancy studio and spend, you know, huge budgets to generate content to communicate. Um, as long as what you're generating makes sense and um, is valid for the consumer, then, you know, it can be that very beautiful creative content, which we absolutely do, but it could also be one of our educators or one of our ambassadors are like, I have this really neat tip or hack and I just want to share it. And that that resonates really well with the consumer as well. What's your take on influencers and ambassadors? How important are they to Olivia Garden and um, your audience as well as their audiences? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, so Olivia Garden, um, I mean, luckily for us, people tend to be extremely passionate about our brands. Um, and so that's really wonderful, of course, as the brand owner to see that because, you know, it is like... Um, feel like it's one of my kids so it's very personal and it's wonderful to see how much people absolutely love it so um years ago we have people reaching out and say i love your brand i just want to do more with you guys like how could i be more involved in everything so the way we build our brand ambassadorship program really came from people wanting to be involved and uh wanting to be part of the olivia garden family and part of the Olivia Garden message, which which was very touching and, and wonderful. So we um, started an ambassadorship program, which was based on hairdressers who, um, you know, are sharing our uh, tools with their audiences, which could be a mix of other hairdressers as well as consumers. And um, they get to receive brand new products before anyone else, and they get to use it and then show others about it. So this is how we've we've done the brand ambassadorship. Um, it's extremely organic. It's people who just, I mean, now we have so many that applied that we've had to cap it off because it's just, you know, it's it's a lot. Um, and every year we open it up and then, you know, we, we have a new submission process. So we keep it nice and fair and, and make sure that everybody gets a chance to be part of the program. But the the energy and the what I love about it is it's not somebody getting paid to do something or to talk about something. It's just somebody that's doing it because they love it. And that's really what our brand is all about. It's about authenticity. Um, that's why we make our own imagery. When you see model pictures of Olivia Garden, it's always imagery that we've created ourselves um, because we just want to be really authentic. And so our ambassador program is part of that. Um, in terms of influencers, <clears throat> We have some very um, well-known influencers who, again, have picked up our product along the way because they feel like they're the best for what they're doing. So it's really great to see that our product pop up on many social sites, um, not because we've asked them to do it or paid them to do it, just because that's what they reach for. And so um, that's the extent of our influencer involvement for now is just that it's organic. They have it there because they love it. And so that's really wonderful to see. And would you ever dabble in the paid space? What's your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, I'm not against it by any means, for sure. Um, it's, um, it's something that we definitely will do, I'm sure, in the future as we feel like we need to grow and, and continue to increase our reach. And it could be people who don't use our brand because maybe they don't know it yet. And once, you know, we have a collaboration and we're like, this is wonderful. I wish I had known all along. And now this is what I'll use from now on, whichever. But um, it's definitely something I'm sure we'll get into. Um it's just something that so far we haven't done yet, but always looking to for new ways to reach people. And um, yeah, I'm sure it will be something that's part of our strategy in the future. 
So as we go into September and, you know, you guys are making a pretty large push into the consumer space with Ulta. So talk to us a little bit about that, you know, kind of going direct with a store and a retail partner that's so large and so impactful um, in the styling business, but also in the retail space, how that's working out. Yeah, so Ulta has been uh, an amazing partner for us. So when years ago customers found out about our hairbrushes, and of course they could buy them through their local salon, but um, you know the need, we our assortment is so large. I mean, we have maybe over a hundred different brushes. <laughs> yeah, because we're tailoring it to the hairdresser, and actually, believe it or not, no two are alike. Um, so they all have their unique criteria, technology, history, reason for being, um, performance. So they're all different and unique. Again, we're tailoring it to the professional who needs tools. They need a large set of tools to do their work in the salon. So it turned out that we had a really large assortment, and consumers wanted to buy our products, but couldn't always find them, of course, because because um, a salon would possibly carry a small assortment, but might not be the one that they wanted. And this is a very large country. And so years ago, we partnered up with Ulta, um, being you know the largest salon chain with, of course, a nice retail space. And they were using the brushes in the salon. And again, people wanting to buy them as well. So they were offering the brushes that their stylists were using. And so they had a nice large assortment. And over the years, that has developed into you know, a wonderful partnership where we have um, a large assortment of SKUs available at Ulta that allows consumers to easily find in their local market, the brush that they would be looking for to meet their styling needs. So um, the consumer, like I said, is is a great aspect to grow the company and the brand. Um, of course, right now it's been brushes. We are going to a new category, uh, adding, I should say, because brushes will always be our main focus, but adding a category of um, appliances. So we're now trying to duplicate what we've done in the hairbrush category into the appliances by being the the premier supplier of high-end appliances with features um, and technologies that people are looking for, as well as the ergonomics and the R&D and all of that. So that will, you know, over time also take its place. Um, but Ulta is a great partner to have, and uh, they stay consistent with our brand um, strategy, which is to be, you know, where the hairdresser is. So and besides Ulta, you know, you guys are also creating a more curated assortment for higher end distribution. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So true to our um, company strategy, which is we are the high-end manufacturer of professional hairbrushes, uh, we decided that there were some consumers that we might not be reaching because they could be shopping somewhere else. And we thought it would be a perfect fit for us to try to be in that high-end retail space. So we studied what that high-end retail space looks like and how products are moved through them, which is actually completely different from our professional distribution, which is different from Ulta. So we came up with the five most popular brush types that we have. We combine all the technology and the quality and the features that are in our professional brushes, yet made it slightly unique and different so the high-end retailer would buy something that only they can purchase at those retailers. And we packaged them in a way that we felt would be the most successful at those retail outlets. Um, so that is called our private collection and that we just premiered um, this summer. And we're working on establishing uh, distribution for the, particularly that brush line that would be exclusively available through high-end retail. So when you think about, you know, curating and kind of condensing that like very large hundred brush assortment into five, you know, a lot of other beauty brands right now are doing the opposite thing. You know, they're trying to dabble into more categories. They're trying to over-assort, over-skew. 
you. So what's your take on that? Would you, are you interested in doing the same thing for tools? Are you interested in doing, you know, more product, you know, whether it's shampoo, hair, um, conditioner or sprays, like what's the overall strategy or is it really about doubling down on brushes and tools? Great question. So, you know, as brand owner, uh, my brother and I are always trying to think about, you know, how we're going to grow the business and keep the growth up, which we've been lucky to have every year, year over year. And so that we have a short term plan, midterm plan and long term plans. And then, you know, we hope that uh, we put a strategy together and that they come to, they come to fruition. So we want to make sure we don't have products that duplicate themselves because there's no point within the same category to have things that are just duplicates of each other. So even though we have 100 brush SKUs, they're actually all unique and different and have a reason to be there. Um, We, besides continuing to grow our consumer space and going into the high-end retail, we also want to dabble into other categories that make sense. And in this case, appliances or hot tools such as blow dryers, flat irons, curling irons make a lot of sense. People, like I said, are extremely passionate and loyal and love Olivia Garden because it's turned the brush category on its head compared to what was available before because of our approach to all these details of quality, R&D and technology and beautiful products that they would like that in their appliances as well. So they've been asking us for it. We just wanted to do it when we felt like we were ready to give them what they were looking for and so last year we launched in the US our first blow dryer that's been a huge success and this year we just launched our first flat iron and we're going to continue to grow into the appliance category because it goes hand in hand with our brushes and it makes sense it's a it's a logical way for us to grow our business what we've taken into the brush category we can learn that and apply and apply it to the appliance category and of course hopefully be the number one supplier in the professional as well as in the consumer space in the long term, which is our plan. So the appliance category obviously has gotten a lot of, um, there's been a lot of excitement, you know, with brands like Dyson getting into it and, you know, the kind of fervor that that's created. When you think about um, how expensive some of these other Mm. products are, you know, there is a pretty significant uh, differential. And, you know, obviously what you would sell to a professional or a hairdresser and what you would send to a consumer may not make exact sense to be priced the same way. How are you guys approaching that? So that is actually a great question because pricing structure is really important. If you want to play in both space, you really need to respect that the professional, and I think this is true for any industry, the professional buys at a certain price point that's different from the consumer. Why? Because the professional is going to be buying you many more brushes than the consumer. I mean, the prof- a professional might own 20 of our brushes and they might buy more every year year over year, and they'll be retailing them to their customers. So that is a completely different customer than the consumer who will be buying maybe three brushes a year for themselves, you know, maybe a little bit more, but it's different from a professional. So you've got the professional price point and you've got the retail price point, which is based on sound logic, which is that they're buying it at a different price point because they're buying the volume and it's their tool that they use and that they would be retailing to their customers. So for us, pricing has been extremely important so that we can successfully play in both spaces. So we want to support the hairdresser by offering them our product at a price that lets them retail it to their customer, should they choose to do that. Which means that if there are any other retail outlets 
available for our products, then they should be on par pricing-wise with the hairdresser that's in the chair talking about the product, selling it to them, recommending it to their customers. And then if they decide to not buy right then and there on the spot, go online or go into a, a, a brick and mortar and be able to find it at that same price point. So that's been really important for us to to maintain that pricing structure. And I think it's the fair way to do it for hairdressers. And um, it's the way that a professional brand ought to approach it, I feel. You know, I've talked to some other brands in the prof- that dabble in the professional and the consumer space, like most notably um, Diva Curl, who was on the podcast a few uh, months ago. You know, they kind of explained to me a little bit of the um, the fine dance, I guess, or the finding like the perfect balance between both segments, professional and consumer. And obviously that's changing quite a bit with, you know, Amazon coming into play and Amazon really courting the professional network of hairdressers, um, you know, by discounts and promoting product that can then be sold, that can then be bought on Amazon. What's your take on all of this? So we um, we are so protective of our hairdressing community that has brought us to where we are today as the market leader, and we're so thankful towards them that we'll never forget that. And we want to make sure that as we, you know, grow into the consumer space, we pick the right partners. And that's, that's you know, why we picked to work with Ulta um, many years ago, because they were the right partners for us in terms of their business structure. And I have to say, there's many people that we turned down because we don't feel like they would, um, they're the right partner for us for the consumer space. Um, and that's really important to be uh, true to our base of who we are and true to our customers and the hairdressers, which brought us to, like I said, where we are today. So um, we pick and curate our retail distribution extremely closely. And uh, so far, so good. So we're very excited about where we are today, being able to to uh, service both the hairdresser and the consumer in a completely uh, fair way. It is a lot of work because you, you know, sometimes you, you are shown um, maybe millions of dollars opportunity and you have to see whether that makes sense for the long term of your brand and that whether that's on strategy. So definitely, you know, you've got to do your homework and make sure that the distributor that you might be partnering up with makes sense for your brand. And um, that might mean passing up opportunities uh, because you've, you know that it's not good for the long term of your brand. It might be a short term benefit, but possibly not a long term. So uh, that's really important to pick the right partners. You also, I have to say, you also have to be realistic about what the market is like. And, um, you know, Amazon is part of everybody's everybody's world now. And um, I think Amazon is a wonderful vehicle for what it brings to consumers, which is that for those that are possibly extremely busy and don't have time to go out in the stores, um, they can get things on Amazon quickly and ship to their house and or possibly they cannot physically go someplace. And, you know, so these definitely serve a purpose for many different people, obviously. And so I think you need to know how to play within that space that makes sense for the rest of your distribution strategy. And, and luckily, we have been able to do that. So our products are available on Amazon by third-party sellers who have established um, stores on Amazon and who are true to our distribution strategy. So again, whether you would buy our product on Amazon at Ulta or your local salon as a consumer, you'll be looking at paying the same price. And I think that's, you know, luckily the best, the best of, of both worlds. <laughs> Do you think you would ever sell direct on Amazon? 
Uh, you know, at, at this point, our we're, our brand is well serviced by the many uh, partners that we have, so we don't really see the need. But things evolve. I mean, in this world, we've been around for 52 years, and things have evolved quite a bit in 52 years. And I think that a company needs to be, you know, flexible and to be reactive. And so, you know, who knows what the future has? But uh, I'd say if it's, you know, it's being serviced by our partners right now, and that's that's great the way it is. And and last question, what's your take on your own direct consumer site? Like, do you feel like that's something that you yourself needs to build up when you have such a um, wide and and broad distribution strategy as it is? So that's a great question. So actually, we um, did our we opened up our website to be DTC a year ago. And, you know, we did that because even though we do have wonderful partners and like I said, I can't be more grateful for that we still have products that are actually not available at those locations. So if we have ins and outs, um, not everybody is going to have them. So maybe we'll have, as an example, every year we have this beautiful collection of brushes that we come out for um, breast cancer awareness and we make a donation to the Breast Cancer Foundations for it. And But in the consumer space, not everybody picks it up. So it can be hard um, for consumers to find them. So we decided that we, you know, be great to have them on our site so those that do want to participate in it they can and and it's been it's been great servicing the customer the consumer by being able to offer them everything that we have should they not be able to find it locally also we have some customers or consumers that absolutely want to buy from the brand like they are mistrustful of <laughs> people out there they're afraid that they could be counterfeit or they could be used or something like that and they just want to buy direct from the brand so the way we looked at it is we want to make sure that anybody that wants an Olivia Gorm product is able to find it we hope that they go to their local retailer or they find it wherever they normally shop. If they cannot, then the best we can do is make sure we connect them with our brand. They get to have that experience, know what it's like to use one of our products. And then if they want to buy more, maybe when they go into their local, let's say Ulta, they'll see another one. It's like, oh, that's the brush I'm using now. They have another size I want to use or a different type of brush I want to use. I'm just going to go ahead and pick that up. So we want to make sure that people are able to find our brand wherever they want it, and it ought to be at a consistent price point. And I think that's what we've established. So, and you mentioned something just a second ago about counterfeits. You know, I hear that's a very big problem, you know, in across the beauty industry when it comes to devices and, and brushes especially. So what's your um, planning and, and back end to make sure that that doesn't happen? So like I mentioned, we have a huge um, R&D effort and we have uh, engineers to make sure that we have just top quality products and, and that every product is unique and different from our competitors. Um, and so every time we have a new idea and that it's protectable, we of course apply for patents and make sure we're protected worldwide. So we do that before obviously we launch the product onto the marketplace. And today we own over 50 different patents uh, covering all of our products. And so that makes us unique and different and makes it also extremely difficult, if not impossible, for others to copy us. Um, not only do you need to protect yourself at the source, which is when you are developing the product, but you also need to enforce it. And, and 
enforcing is, is a lot harder than actually protecting yourself because that means you have to monitor what's happening around the world and then you have to enforce it in um, so many countries which have so many different jurisdictions and different laws. So it's a big effort for our company to make sure that um, our product, which we've worked really hard, you know, a product might take anywhere from four years to seven years to develop, I mean, to bring to market because when you're trying to innovate and to be different, it's um, it takes a lot of time and a lot of money because obviously you're doing something for the first time. So so we kind of have a reputation in the industry about taking our products um, protection extremely seriously and we figured um, they can go bother somebody else, but not us. <laughs> Thanks so much, Anne. It was great having you today. Thanks, Priya. It's been such an honor to be here. 